This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. They did it, Ricky. They did it. The Chicago Cubs are World Series champions. How does that sound? Just like, I can't really put it into words right now, the feelings that I have. It hasn't hit home yet. The Chicago Cubs are World Series champions, Ricky, and it happened after a 108-year drought since 1945 is the last time they were in the World Series. Coming down, back. excuse me, they were down 3-1, coming back to win it. This story, Ricky, it's bigger than all of us. And you talk about it. I want to open up the show. By the way, welcome in, my friends. This is Behind the Pen. My name is Mike Rankin alongside Ricky Widmer, and we're talking Cubs today because this is the Eve. No, no, no. Eve is before. The the post show. The, the Boxing Day of My Christmas, it's which awesome. is the Chicago Cubs winning the World Series. Well, I mean, the best was, day of my life. It, it was your birthday. But it did, was my birthday. But did they technically win it on your birthday? Yeah, they did. It, they finished the game before midnight. Okay. That was I believe. The, it was like Don't ele- quote me on it that. It was like 11.20. It was like 11.20, and I did think in the back of my head, I'm like, man, wouldn't it be kind of funny if they won it at like 12.01? Yeah, but if they... If, if, <laughs> I, let's be honest. If, if the game lasted more than past midnight, they would have lost because it wasn't my birthday anymore, was, and that was the, the, the mojo. Because I was thinking about that. Uh, during the rain delay, I'm like, oh, oh you were thinking about me, oh, Ricky. It's gonna, it's oh. gonna go past twelve o'clock. Well, and yeah, Mike of can't course, get... I was the only one with a birthday on November second in Chicago. Well, of course, who's the Cubs that's fan. how it works, right? Right, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. All right, let's. I just want to say this, by the way. Um, this whole entire show is just gonna be dedicated to Chicago Cubs. We're gonna be talking Cubs oh. reaction of this entire posting, this entire season, off season, everything Chicago Cubs. Now, I don't know how long you this... called it. I did. You called it. Uh, I did. But I mean, it's not that. Uh, huge I of a about, call because I, no 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 I thought about that today. It, it I went back and I didn't I mean I'm just trying to the, be humble, but I, yeah I did call. I didn't I mean, listen to the whole thing, but I'm like I have to go back and listen to that segment where because I remember we titled it the Chicago Cubs are going to win the 2016 World Series. You know what I wanted to do, Ricky? Too by the way, um, and whoever was listening, look forward to this. I want to create like a sound bite, just about 10 15 minutes long of all behind the pen Cubs talk, and I want to just mm-hmm. put it together and then. See how it goes? And it culminates to this. Oh, this, this is euphoria. the greatest day of my life. It was unbelievable, this Ricky, the This is the, the greatest. Game. Like, last night when we won it, the way I described it was, this is going to be the greatest moment in my life until I get married. Well, that a boy. Until I get married. Like, that's how important this is. This is, is probably me. the best moment I will ever experience um, next to maybe the birth of my child. <laughs> Equally as important. Got, for probably, me, you kind of got to get married before you get to the child. Well, part, sure, hopefully. sure, sure. I mean, like, hopefully. you could get married more than once, but you could probably not. Yeah, the, for your first child is, mm-hmm. you know, irreplaceable. Just like son. the first. The, okay, now, <laughs> all right, by the way, Patreons, guys, become a Patreon. Patreon.com backslash most available podcast. Become uh, one of those things I just mm-hmm. said and down, uh, give, give us some money. Just flat out give us some money. We'll prepare you for this. This is what you get at Most Valuable Podcast. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Most Valuable Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod. I'm at Rankin906. He's at Ricky Widmer. Be sure to check out our content. But listen, Ricky, we're going back, right? We were talking about these moments, and it's special, right? And it's special. And people, I understand. Like, if you're not maybe a Cubs fan, you don't necessarily understand it to the extent of Cubs fans. It had to end like this, though. But, yes, let's... I want to talk about the World Series. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the outcome. I want to talk about the lead up to the World Series, mm-hmm. the NLCS, the NLDS, even the the season, all of everything, mm-hmm. everything. And going back to the start, 
I felt like the stars were aligned this year for them. Everything was going their way from now. Let's begin the off season, right? They had this fantastic off season, Ricky. They get John Lackey. They steal John Lackey from the Cardinals. Their second best WAR player, right? Wins we above. We bring in Jason Hayward. Wins above re- replacement. They sign. They win the Jason Hayward sweepstakes. They don't just sign him. They win him. Oh. On the on the year after that, they win the John Lester sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. That's two prime free agents they were able to win. And say what you want about Hayward, he has production at the plate. Garbage this year, absolutely rightfully so. You, he has. Uh, you have plenty of reason to bash him for that. But the value that his game offers to this Chicago Cubs team specifically this year, and we saw it in the World Series, it's it's invaluable. Then you have uh, Ben Zobrist. By the way, had the go or the the go ahead at the time. Run back and then, to back World Series champion Ben's overs too. How about it? How about <laughs> it? And you talk about the veteran leadership, and you bring in a David Ross, you know, and it's his retirement season, and the whole off season really culminates, mm-hmm. right? You're right. You feel really good about the Chicago team going in, right? You have Schwarber, and you're gonna probably see Almora at some point this year. You have a set lineup. You got Solaire. It's like, whoa, this is pretty damn good right now. You feel pretty good. And all of a sudden. Baltimore Orioles can't lock down a deal with, Jay, uh, with I'm sorry, Dexter Fowler. Well, they, and he shows up at the end of February it before was, spring training. It wasn't that they couldn't lock down a deal. They did have a deal in place. It was pretty much locked down. But then it was kind of like at the last second, Fowler had this change of heart and was like, fuck it, I want to go back to Chicago for one more year to win it with these guys. Right, and that was that was what he said, right. Um, but what I, I think what fell through... With Baltimore, yes, it was his conscience making the decision to come to Chicago. Mm-hmm. I believe it was an option uh, after the first year in the contract with Baltimore that they weren't willing to to give. They weren't willing to budge on that deal. I think they wanted three years guaranteed, and Fowler was like, "Nah, man, I want to like opt out, possibly." You know what I mean? Well, so he, if he was has like, a phenomenal year. Why well, of not? Of course, and you know what? He felt like he was getting shafted a little bit in the market. Especially coming off a good season in Chicago after 2015, so then he earned his keep this year with the Chicago yeah, Cubs. He, he gonna get paid. Absolutely. He no, this offseason, I'm guessing four years, 70, 80 million coming his way. That's for damn sure. And he earned mm-hmm. it. And this is his time to cash in. Absolutely. But overall, yeah, so that was just like the nice little bow. And then, then the expectations started rolling in. And the Cubs got off to a historically dominant start. And it didn't end. And it didn't end. We had like one lull this season. Right, we and that was just around the, the All-Star break mm-hmm. just before it, and a little bit in July, too, when they and, went like 5-15 and 15 during a stretch. And being a Cub fan, it was naturally like the sky is falling and we're not going to do anything and we're probably going to lose the Central even though we never were going to lose the Central. That's just how you think as a Cub fan. But this entire season leading up to the playoffs was... I felt like it was the best way I could describe it is through Grandpa Ross. It was like one big party. Yeah, you got some downtime where like we had that one stretch where we thought the sky was falling. But overall, this was one big party. They were so good this year, Ricky, that they clinched home field advantage throughout the playoffs before teams clinched their division. Mm-hmm. And this is in like mid-September that they clinched their division and they ended with, what, a 17-game lead over the Cardinals to end the, end the season? It, this is unprecedented, what the Chicago Cubs team was able to accomplish. They were literally in coast—well, I'm sorry, figuratively, not literally, figuratively mm-hmm. in coast mode from pretty much mid-August till the end of the season. 
maybe even the beginning of August. Because they, they established themselves as a playoff team, and once they got to the playoffs, they came through in every single facet. They came through, though, but you look at the playoffs that we had to go through, we basically, the way I looked at it now looking back, we basically had to go through murderous row. Of course. We had to go against the streak. We had to go against Clayton Kershaw and a Dodgers team that was coming off of, hey, we just beat the guys that everyone was predicting to play you guys in the NLCS who has, like, you have Kershaw, you had Jensen who was really good against us. Oh, and then we had to go up against a Indians team that was fighting a streak like us, had only lost, what, one game before the World Series? Yep. And then you also, oh, yeah, your manager had never lost in a World Series right. before this year. Yeah, and and that's a really good point, starting with the Giants, right? You had the Giants team that, in my opinion, was built to beat the Cubs, but you look back at the NLDS, and my God, the comeback that they made in Game 4, down 3 in the ninth inning, mm-hmm. scoring 4, and eventually winning that game, and that was against Bumgarner, too. And who all starts it? I'm sorry, that, that was um, the game after Bumgarner, mm-hmm. but it was... But who started that run? The MVP. It was... Just, it was such clutch performances by so many people. You had the Bryant Homer in Game Three to tie it in the ninth, and that, that just, barely cleared the wall. Right, and that that gives you the hope. But they were they were able to overcome Madison Bumgarner, arguably the most dominant playoff pitcher that definitely our generation has ever seen. Mm-hmm. And then you move on to a seven game series against Clayton Kershaw, who you have to see multiple times, who you overcome multiple times, and given yeah. Clayton Kershaw has his struggles in the playoffs, but we didn't see that same Clayton Kershaw this season in the playoffs that we're used to seeing because he was dominant. And I know like they were giving him comparisons to these most dominant pitchers in the history of baseball, but he looked like the Clayton Kershaw we're accustomed to seeing in the regular season. That's well, dominant. And not only him, Rich Hill came out and pitched phenomenally, which I was not expecting. And that's another thing, Maybe too. Maybe he just reared it up. For playing a former team of his, but yeah. that's what well, he did. Well, going back to Game Four, they mm-hmm. faced Matt Moore and couldn't do squat for eight innings because and then what? Bucci pulls Matt Moore. I don't know why. In but favor thank of you. the worst bullpen. Thank you. Next to the Cincinnati Reds in the in the entire MLB. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> Especially in that situation because they had their problems against against left-handed pitching throughout the entire playoffs, and we saw it mm-hmm. against Kershaw. They struggled in their first time team, but they saw him again. They were able to put together really good at bats, and that's what this team did all season. They especially it starts with Theo Epstein. It's the it's the brain trust of this group that totally, completely was. Par- they were so transparent about everything that they wanted to do. They laid it out at the start of their their regime in 2011. Listen, I have a plan. We bear have with me. A long way to go, right? And you know what they like? Okay, we're not going to give you a cookie mm-hmm. because remember. Back in the day, and this was around two when fans were like, "Why the hell is Rick Renteria getting fired after one season? We got to give him a chance." Like, mm-hmm. what? What? You just got Joe Madden. But they were saying like, "Well, go get Prince Fielder. You need to go get Prince Fielder. Sign Cole Hamels. Give him all this money." They, Theo Epstein said, "We're not going to give you cookies, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to give you the whole meal." And my God, am I full, Ricky Woodman? <laughs> my God, am I full? This well, is unbelievable right now, this and that, feeling that I have. And that's one thing that I did find interesting is naturally with this, when it comes to Theo, with this team, you're going to compare it to the Red Sox team because two curses. Naturally. Theo, the curse breaker. But 
those teams were so differently built. This team, young talent. I want to say what the average age of this team is like what twenty four, twenty five. I not even probably like twenty six, even maybe. But you're talking about the core players. Yeah, yeah. The, it's Anthony whereas, Rizzo who's the oldest, along with Jason Hayward, twenty six years old. It's that unbelievable. Red Sox team was built off a of free agency. They had an average age of like thirty one and a half. Sure, and there was a different style that they were playing. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, I'm with you. But just just going back to the Theo Epstein thing, and they they completely were they they explained. Right, and they executed, and we saw the transitions from irrelevancy to a legitimate organization. And you're talking, and you brought up the core, right? Mm-hmm. You talked about the younger players looking ahead to next year. Guess what? You have to do? guess what we have to look forward to, Ricky, as fans. Kyle Schwarber coming back again. Kyle Schwarber, Kyle Schwarber, or as I call him, Schwarber Daddy, Babe Ruth. Uh, he's not, <laughs> he's not going anywhere. For a long time. Oh, and, well, and, why would you? No, I'm, I'm saying, like, why would because you? he's under control. Yeah. Anthony Rizzo just signed a long-term mm-hmm. contract. He's not going anywhere for a long time. Chris Bryant, extra year of control because they held him back for 15 games back in 2015. He's going to be here for a long time. Speak, Baez, speak I'm not done yet, I know dog. You're, I know you're I'm not. not done yet. Addison Russell, uh, Wilson Contreras. CJ in the bullpen? Carl Edwards Jr., who emerged as Who's a, a year younger than I am. How and about I was his like, performance shit, in Game 7? That's what I'm saying. Right Jason Hayward's 26. Mm-hmm. Albert Almora, 21, 22. Jason Hayward's really 26? Exactly. He's my age? Jason he looks like he's way Hayward older than I am. is still a young cat, but it feels like he's been in the league for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And he acts like a veteran. But that's it just gives me chills, Ricky. And Kyle Hendricks, by the way. Kyle Hendricks is along with those younger players. Pulled out too soon. Absolutely, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I, I'm just this is this is a team with mm-hmm. a bunch of core players who haven't even come close to their primes yet. This mm-hmm. is their first, second, third years in the league. Besides Rizzo, Rizzo and Travis Wood are the two teams, two players who have saw the the 100 loss and the 100 right, experienced the transition process mm-hmm. from 2012 to 2016. They have, they've been here for it all, and the growth we've seen from Anthony Rizzo it just it. It gives me chills, man. It gives me goosebumps. Well, I mean, everything about it. Speaking about Rizzo, the best moment, and I'm so happy they, A, caught it with a microphone, and B, showed us, was the moment when he was talking to Ross, and he's like, I'm overcome with emotion. He said, I'm a glass case. Like, I'm a basket case right now. And Ross is like, imagine three outs before the ninth inning, you know? (laughs) Well, I'm going to get to that in a second. But with that moment... It was one of those things where it let a it let you in, but yeah. b it was so relatable because I'm like, holy yeah. shit, these guys like when you th- when we think of pro athletes, we just think they're machines and they're above the pressure, and it's like, oh, how could you let that happen here? This, this, and that. There's an intense amount of pressure that comes oh, with playing in the not just playing for a championship, but you're on the Chicago Cubs who haven't won in over a hundred years. I'm going to say it, best fans in baseball, and you feel like you want to give back to those fans. And that's what it let that into. And then the second part of Rossi, well, hey, just wait till the ninth inning when we're up by three. (laughs) Hashtag prophecy Uh, right there. Well, Ross. Prophet Ross. That's... That too is the importance of David Ross to this ball club mm-hmm. more so, and then that's why he's going to be around next year as well. Maybe not as a player, but as a consultant or a coach, <laughs> hitting coach, something maybe, mm. maybe. I mean, they, <coughs> sorry, Holly. <laughs> oh yeah, Holly's is whatever. But you talked about the human element and the relatable factors. Mm-hmm. These players, and this is 
okay, now let me, before I get into this, let me say, how about the celebration in Wrigleyville? And we see it. It's still going on as we speak. Literally people, as far as the eye can see, crowding the streets around mm-hmm. Wrigley. And you, like, it, it's just all, this is something, no, this is baseball town. It, it's something that really no other city has seen before. Maybe Boston can relate a little bit, but just the outpour and the community feel that you have mm-hmm. around Wrigley Field. And I say that because, and we talk about the human element and the relatable factors within, you know, what Anthony Rizzo showed with David Ross. These players are living in the neighborhoods that they're playing at. Theo Epstein walks from his house to the ballpark every single day. You see Jake Arrieta at the local Walgreens buying a prescription for his kid. This is this is real life. People are going to Ben Zobra's house on Halloween, trick-or-treating. This is is real. And this is what happens when you have such a tight-knit organization that has high-character athletes that makes it a point to bring in these guys for cohesion. And and for people who say that character and clubhouse Mm -hmm. uh, philosophies and etiquette or whatever, cohesion doesn't matter, look at this 2016 Chicago Cubs team. And let's talk about, can we just talk about Game 7? Because I I can't not anymore. Can we talk a little bit about the World Series in general? Yeah, we can. But like, I want to start with Game 7, Ricky, because okay. I'm about to jump out of my uh, skin. <laughs> you had the rain delay, and we're going to jump. We'll recap the whole thing. But I want to jump just to, to the further. Rain delay. You want to go straight to the end, just man. For, just let's, con- let's go to the Continuing with my point and the whole cohesion mm-hmm. thing. Jason Hayward sucked ass all year at the plate, right? And he was pretty much irrelevant in the time. He even got benched in the World Series in the most important. He had a few good defensive plays. No, but I'm saying them. he got benched mm-hmm. for Jorge Soler at home. <laughs> and then he comes back in Game 7 in the locker room and you, during the rain delay and has this speech and says, this is who we are all season. Don't forget that. Don't forget who we are. We're going to be, we'll be fine. Just this is us. We can do this. And I think that rain delay was so, I think it was just a call from the baseball guy saying, all right, let's regroup and win the World Series, please, this next inning. So, you know, we can go to bed because I have to get up for work tomorrow. <laughs> but I'm just like, you know what I mean? You have that feel. And Jason Hayward has this speech and then two, three, four, five, six comes up in the top of the 10th in a must, 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 must win for more reasons than one. And they come through. And it was just such a storybook ending for one of the craziest games mm-hmm. I have ever witnessed in my over 18 plus years of watching baseball. And I say 18 plus years. That does, and I'm one of the mo- most diehard Cubs fans you can ever t- you know meet. If we ever do meet in person, I it, I love the Cubs as much as the next guy. And I'm only 22 years old. I'm thinking about the generations who mm-hmm. are 50, 60, 70. 80 years old who really haven't witnessed something like this ever. Well, and that's the thing for me. The reason I'm going to actually take what you're saying and kind of go off a little bit with Game 7 and then get back to it. The reason why this championship is so important to me, like, yes, I've seen the Bulls win in my life. I've seen the Bears go to the Super Bowl, seen the White Sox win a championship in my life, seen the Blackhawks win championships. But with my teams, the reason why this one is so special is this is like my team. Like, yeah, I'm a Bulls fan. Yeah, I kind of like the Hawks. Yeah, I'm a Vikings fan. But 
when it comes to the Cubs, it's on another level. That it, like if I had to pick one, you said Ricky, you can't have Bulls, Vikings, Cubs because those are the main teams I cheer for. The Hawks, I'll watch and I'll cheer for, but I don't really right. consider myself a diehard because I got into it when we won it. But if I had to pick between those three, I'd say Cubs hands down, and I would throw the other two away because that's how much I love this team. And that's the thing with these with Cub fans. It's not about. I've heard the debate of, oh, you're 26, oh, you're 21, oh, you're 24. You can't talk. You haven't been waiting that long. Well, it's not about the years that we've waited. It's about, and I'm not saying we're not the only ones who experience this, but it's how much we love this team even through the bad management and the bad players that we had to deal with. We are not ignorant Cubs fans. We appreciate the history of the Chicago Cubs. We understand that in 1945 there was this quote-unquote, curse of the billy goat, right, Mm -hmm. put on this team and that they haven't been to the World Series since. We understand Ron Sano, the Black Hat of 69. We understand 84. We understand 89. We see, we understand Ryan Sandberg, Billy Williams, Ernie Banks, uh, all these other um, people associated with this franchise. Harry Carey, obviously. We understand. We understand. And Mm -hmm. we, we didn't live through it, of course, but we lived through a lot. And let me tell you, in the 90s, we were a bad team. They had one good season in 98. That was with Sosa. They squeaked into the wild card, lost in the first round. That was it. Then you move on to the early 2000s. They were pretty competitive, but really not realistically a playoff team until 03, where they made this crazy run, and we don't even have to revisit that outcome. But right now it's irrelevant because the Chicago Cubs are World Series champions in 2016. We saw in 2007... 2008, two teams that had to win then and now because they were built for then and now. But if they weren't, if Mm -hmm. they lost, which they did, they got swept in back-to-back years, they're going to be screwed because of the way this franchise was run. You look at what Theo Epstein and his impact has been on this franchise, he has conquered the baseball world. In Theo, we trust. Theo Epstein is the king of baseball. You talk about a guy who breaks a curse in Boston? Mm Mm-hmm. And wins two championships in Boston and comes to Chicago. Can I can I wins? let you can I let you in on something? Then this is from my own personal experience. Of course, to me, it's going to mean something for you guys out there. You're probably going to be like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm going to tell you anyways. In college, used to be a radio DJ for my college, and we used to do a sports talk show. And at the end of the sports talk show, we would do a segment called the Shootout. And how it would work is I was the host, so I was kind of like the judge. And the other two, we would have a topic. You give your side, you give your side. I kind of decide who wins the shootout that day. And it was was October 28th of 2010, I want to say. 2010, 2011. And Brandon Swanson was one of those guys on the show with me. The other guy's name was AJ. Is this the Theo Epstein this signing? Is. This is. So it would be Theo 2011. signed. Before 2011. Theo signed. 2011, the offseason of 2011. Yep. Theo signed. And I remember the two sides. AJ was a Sox fan. So was Brandon. But Brandon was on the side of Theo was a good signing. And just the two points of how differently they were to now where Brandon ended his point by saying... I, he's like, I don't want to say it, but he's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to say it. Cubs win the World Series within five years. 
Guess what this fifth year? Guess what this season was? That fifth year. Was number five. Absolutely. This one was number five, and it was actually the 26th of October, 2011 is when we put it up. Yeah. And on the other side, for AJ, the one thing, because I re-listened to it, and the one thing he said that made me smile, because it couldn't have been (laughs) further from the truth, his exact quote was, Theo Epstein is not a Band-Aid for your problems. Guess what? He is. We're World Series champions. He, he's not a Band-Aid. He, he is the he's entire... He's the Andy Oitman. <laughs> he is the entire gauze and cast and everything that repairs a broken anything because Theo Epstein came in, turned a dysfunctional franchise into a legitimate contender, and he will be here for another roughly... When you look back, the entirety of his existence... Sean, who's in here now just listening to us, showed me a text. He's the chemotherapy. <laughs> okay. He's the chemotherapy for the Cubs. There you go. See? And he, uh, it, but, the cancer went into remission. But the one thing, like getting back to this game seven, it ha- like looking yeah. back on it, it had to end like this. It couldn't be easy. Like being down that was one. was a storybook, like, man. Being down one three, losing two of the three games in Chicago, having to go back. Back on the road with our three best pitchers, with our ace in Game 7. And then you get to Game 7, you get a 5-1 to one lead, you lose that lead. You blow two leads. Fucking Rajay Davis, who Sean bashed <laughs> the entire playoffs, hits a game-tying home run where I'm sitting there going, It's happening again. Fuck. Fuck. Why did, I'm like, why did we leave Chapman in? We wore him out. All I'm going to hear for the next X amount of days is how we wore Chapman out. We shouldn't have pitched him too much. And then the 10th inning happens. Yeah. And the rain delay, you know, I'm telling you, it's a storybook. It's his, it's, this is the most historic event in the history of all sports, and I'm not trying to be dramatic. This is legitimately— I can't wait for the 30 for 30. Oh, yeah, it's going to be fantastic, and of the course. The thing that I hope they do with the 30 for 30 when they talk about the series, and I only got this idea from listening to the Dan Patrick show this morning— I want the Cle like not entirely, but when we get to this series, I want a little bit of that Cleveland side. I want to know what's going through Rajay Davis's head when he hit that home run. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, we'll see. You know, but it, th- this is more. I'm not even thinking about that right now. I'm, and I, but I'm, I'm excited for that. Honestly, the first I thing I thought of. It. Can't wait. And you I've been know waiting for coming. this moment. I am ordering the Sports Illustrated package that has all the the DVD mm-hmm. stats and like you know the the commemorative stuff that comes along with uh, your team winning the World Series. Because you know, as soon as your team wins the World Series, that's the first commercial well, that comes on TV. It's like buy this now, well, and I will. To- I <laughs> told my mom this yesterday. And I was kind of talking to Sean about this. I want to say it was during the NL. It was right after we won the NLCS because that's when the stuff came out. Before the World Series, I wanted to buy the, like, We Came to Rain hoodie. I wanted to buy the basic Cub hat with the World Series logo on the side. I wanted to buy all this stuff, but I didn't. And I couldn't. Eh, whatever. Well, I couldn't because... To me, I could, like I didn't want to buy the stuff, and then they lose, and then they lose. Especially that we came no, to rain, like that right, we right, came right. to rain hoodie. Yeah, everyone else is like Ricky. You're looking into it too much. I cannot wear that hoodie. <laughs> if no, we I know. I, I think a lot of fans would. Now I'm telling my mom, I'm like, you. I'm buying this. I'm buying of course. This. My mom's like, great. Ricky's getting a whole new <laughs> wardrobe just because the Cubs won the World Series. So I just want to say that let's 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 kind of run through this World Series. Real quick, and then we'll we'll end it with some positive mm-hmm. thoughts because this entire thing is just I can't I can't even put it into words 
the the feeling that so many people are are experiencing just a day after it's happened. We're the, st- honestly, I'm still processing the it. The best moment was this was like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock actually, when I went to bed, and. I opened up Twitter, and my Twitter hadn't been opened for five hours. So five hours around that point was when Hendricks got pulled out of the game. Yeah. So that's where my timeline started, and I'm scrolling up to the top. But as I'm scrolling, I'm kind of slowing down because I'm kind of reading some of them. Looking back in hindsight, how many tweets I saw from my followers of, fuck Joe Madden, fire Joe Madden, Joe Madden's a bum, Why'd you take out Kyle Hendricks? Joe Madden's a bum. <laughs> yeah. This and so, that. Yeah. This and that. Everybody was, re- yeah. Everybody was ready back, to jump I'm on like, him. Holy shit, we won. No, like, I know. And, all, and he got lucky, I'm telling you. In, in game seven, he got lucky that things work out for him because I'm telling you what, those were some questionable managerial decisions going back to the beginning on that, of on the that NLDS. Team, it didn't. On that Rays team, it didn't. Sure, but I'm, uh, what I'm trying to say is this is how he's been throughout the entire play. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about the way he managed his bullpen. I yeah. think... Personally, he made a lot of good calls, uh, more more good calls than bad, I would say. But the bad calls were, mm-hmm. almost were catastrophic. And you look at the way well, he, he lost trust in some guys, uh, almost all of them. Mm-hmm. But you look at the way he constructed the lineup throughout the progression of the playoffs, and I thought he did a really good job, especially in Cleveland when you got Schwarber back and you put him at two. But going back to this, well, game, that's just getting more bats for him. Sure, and you yeah. want and like and they put him lower in the lineup just to touch on Schwarber real quick mm-hmm. is because he's coming back from an uh, like a career-ending knee injury. You don't know what he's going to have. Yeah. He had like seven plate appearances going back to mm-hmm. April, whatever. And you're going to have him well, batting fifth in the playoffs. And he and he proves that he could hit. So hell yeah, you're going to move him up for six and seven. It was the same. It was the same thing. It reminded me of. What was it, earlier in the season when it was like, fuck it, Brian's going to bat two. Well, why is he going to bat two? And that's the thing, too. That's another conversation that the two hitter is more valuable than Mm -hmm. the three. But anyway, going back to looking back at this World Series, Ricky, you have game one where Lester kind of struggles. They had a chance to win that game. Basically, we lost it in the first. Most uh, it, just to put it plainly, and then you move on to game two, and they they overcame Trevor Bauer, who wasn't Jake Arrieta was on fire. Wasn't too impressive there. Um, and then you continue on in the series, Josh Tomlin. You run into that buzzsaw. They couldn't hit a curveball, and that was the story of the entire playoffs. That was the worst game to watch. That was the one nothing game. The uh, the Hendricks one. That was the Hendricks game. It was Kluber who pitched game one, right? Yeah, because he was yeah, unbelievably it was Kluber, electric. It was Bauer, then it was Tomlin. That's what I thought, okay. Then we had Kluber again, and I want to say the game three was that one to nothing one, where it was... Oh, yeah, Hendricks made one mistake, it was the solo home run. It was that solo home run. And then he had a chance late in the game. And the thing that killed me most about that game is Javi fucking Baez. I love you, Javi. Javi's been one of my favorite players. Like, these playoffs you get attached to players... I got fucking attached to He's a to co-MVP. Hobby. You should. Co-MVP, fucking charming as hell on the field. Like, that smile just lights yeah, up your Rick, television. Yeah, we know you love him. <laughs> but you have runners on second and third. All you need is a base hit, and you're trying to swing for the fence. Well, and I get it. That's Avi. I get it. That's what you're getting it, with Avi. It, no, no, I like – that <sighs> wasn't – the thing that was most frustrating is that he wasn't – the Javi we were accustomed to seeing in the playoffs because he was shortening up, putting together good at bats. He was laying off the curveball in the dirt, and then he just threw it all at the window. And then all of a sudden, he just he started swinging wildly again and chasing pitches. He wanted to do too much. I think he put too much pressure on himself. He, I'll get to game seven, but anyway, then you know you you lose game four. Kluber, 
you're down 3-1. And you're sitting there like, oh, man, you know, mm-hmm. like this is the worst. But oh, then I, at the I same time. Was, I thought it was over. You I'll did? Be honest, I because did. I didn't. I, I felt did. like I felt like this Chicago Cubs team, no matter how bad it looked, it was inevitable for them to come back and win. And I, my thought until it was over, it was until they lose, they're going to win. And I and it, it just kept well, happening. I'm going to say this. I thought it was, when I say I thought it was over, of course I watched the game still like thinking we're going to win. Well, you're discouraged down 3 1. But I was so and discouraged. And these are a good team. And the one thing that I did, and I did it with, I tried to do it the best of my ability, I'll be honest, in the World Series, is I want to say it was John Lester who said this to the media to tell us, the fans, don't get discouraged, don't get excited. Grind with us pitch by pitch, yeah, out by out. Let us, like, fans are going to be fans yeah. regardless. But with these last three and, games, and I did that, yeah. and it was fucking phenomenal. Well, because they, you had faith in this team. You understand what, what this team was all about. They don't quit. They, they they just come through time and time again. You have this veteran leadership, but then you move on um, into game five. The impressive win at Wrigley Field. Mm-hmm. Huge win. Moving it back to Cleveland. Give yourself a chance. And I feel like that transition from Wrigley to Cleveland was so big because of the DH, and it helped the Cubs line up so much because you get Schwarber in there mm-hmm. for regular at-bats. And just the kind of switch in my mental mind from 5 to 6, I was discouraged going into Game 5. Game 6, I was so annoying, my mom hated me <laughs> because I was basically Kevin Millar Jr. going, put us to bed tonight. Don't let us win tonight. So they come out because anything can happen in Game Seven. They come out as and Russell has the grand slam. They're up. They ended up winning by a lot in Game Six. Then you move on to Game Seven for the storybook ending. It only seems fitting that the last two grand slams in the World Series are Chicago of course. guys, right? Of course. So then you get to Game Seven. You have this unbelievable matchup on the uh, on the mound. You know you're looking forward to the Aces. Uh, well, Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, the Aces. Kyle Hendricks and Corey Kluber. For the third time, the Cubs had to face Corey Kluber, and that's something to be said. They were able to overcome that. They were able to come. Clint Kershaw, mm-hmm. Mad Bump, Corey Kluber. These guys are Cy Young's best pitchers in the game. Corey Kluber could very well win the AL Cy Young this year. And they, Hendricks is going to win the NL. I Cy really Young. do hope so. He deserves <laughs> it. Just, just his performance in the playoffs is unbelievable. A sub two ERA in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. <gasps> It's just, it's just, I love Kyle Hendricks. He's probably my favorite pitcher on the Cubs. But anyway, game. let's talk about Game 7 specifically, and then we'll move on to the end of this podcast because mm-hmm. we could talk about the Cubs for hours, and we probably will eventually. But l- looking at Game 7, you go in. You had that. You jump out. Dexter Fowler right away. Home run. Kicks off the World Series with a bang. You're up one nothing. You feel fantastic. I was so excited. You build a lead. You're up 3-1. You're up 5-1. And... Suddenly, Kyle Hendricks in the fourth inning with two outs walks a guy. And this is where you can be very critical on Joe Mann, which I will probably agree with you. But was it a walk? Because it was a strikeout. And that changed the entire <laughs> course of the game. Because if he strikes that, if he strikes him out there we're in that situation... To, we're heading to the next inning, he comes Hendricks out Hendricks starts in the fifth. Mm-hmm. There, there's no debate about it. But we saw Mann quickly pull the trigger as soon as you know a guy well, gets on base. But hold, hold on, Ricky. So we have... Kyle Hendricks walking the guy, and this is where mm-hmm. you be constructive about Joe Mann's ability to manage because he lost the managerial batter, battle. He was a bad manager in that game. Mm-hmm. He was. You bring in you, you bring in Lester, 
who, first of all, you said you weren't going to. That's and, what I was going to bring up. Right. And, you and, wanted him to be clean, but then you give him dirty guys on with right. a man on first. And, that was, and then he just didn't do what he said he was going to do with John Lester, and that's what Joe Mann was thinking. So then you put Lester in the spot, and you know what? He was pitching okay, and then the wild pitch. You know, well, first, you know, you had the inherited runner, and then mm-hmm. the little tapper by Kipnis. Ross just entered the game cold, right in the middle of an inning with two outs. Make that throw, we're out of the inning. Couldn't get a grip on the ball, throws it down the line, you know, to second and third, gets out of play. And then wild pitch, looks like David Ross has another concussion, that poor freaking 39-year-old man. <laughs> and they score two I, runs off the play, and then all of a sudden it's a new ball game. I love Papa Ross. Of course. It, it's funny watching that where, like, the ball hits him in the He's face like, and falls yeah, over. Yeah, no, I know. I felt You felt it. You felt it. But then it was 6-3. And the mm-hmm. Cubs were cruising. You know, there's a little bit of a lull there in the middle innings. But how did he get to 6-3? Well, that's a big, that's a big uh, point. That Javi Baez coming through mm-hmm. in the clutch with a home run after having two errors in this game. And he was clutch defensively all, 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 all season, all postseason. And really in the playoffs, he, he struggled, to be honest with you, in all facets. Two errors is uncharacteristic for Javi Baez in, like, three weeks. And he had it in one game. In, like, like... It was just, I don't know, what he was thinking on that bare hand. But anyway, you move on, 6-3. Then Lester's cruising. You feel good about John Lester. And with two outs in the eighth inning, they're four outs away, Ricky, from winning the World Series. Four outs. You left out one thing, though. I want to... I wanna Go t- ahead, please do. How do you get to 6-3? Papa Ross with the solo shot. Oh, was it Papa Ross? It was I'm sorry. Papa Ross with the My solo bad. shot, man. What was it? So it was uh, Javi getting it to 5 it one? was, so we got up 3-1 after the Contreras double, then Baez made it 4-1, then oh, okay. Rizzo singled, made it 5-1. That's what it was. Okay, there's so much happening, I forget then off the top Kip- of my head. Kipnis had that little uh, wild pitch Excuse thing, me, they me. scored, and then when it was 5-3, to three, Ross homered gotcha. in 6, and yeah, no, 6 that's, three. What, that's what it was, that's what it was, I can't believe I Because I was setting up for it, and I'm like, wait, wait, whoa, you gotta bring up Papa, homering in his, la- like, this is Ross's last game. This is it. This is it. They, he, he, all all postseason, I, I know I was the one throwing out there, well, if we don't win at all, we could just offer him $5 million and he'll come back. He ain't coming back <laughs> no, now. You not. walk out as absolutely a champion. You walk not. out on top. That's what you do. So, of course, yeah, bring in Chapman, who there's this controversy where you bring him in the day before. Mm-hmm. You have him throw 20 pitches, and some say it was unnecessary, but I think differently. And they're saying that You he, went and got him for this reason. Yeah, and they said it looked like he was— just dead, really. Like he was, he was struggling. He lost his stamina. He was pumping ninety eight. But you have to admire, like this game. I admire Aroldis Chapman. I do because after that eighth, after that eighth inning, where he gives up the runs, the three runs to tie the game, giving up a home run to Rajay Davis. Who, who would have fucking thought Rajay Davis would yep. be the one to hit that home run? Aroldis Chapman said, I'm going out there for the ninth. And he got the pitch the ninth. Yeah, well. Got through it in the ninth. It was, to me, I was honestly watching it going, why the fuck is he in this game? He just gave up a tie. But just that alone, to say, you know what? I want to give it everything I got. He got through it. I was worried big time. I was sweating the entire time. He got through the ninth inning. And I felt like the Cubs had a chance. And with the, the part of their lineup that was mm-hmm. coming up in the 10th inning, I felt like that was it. If they can make something happen here, they're going to win well, the World you Series. What, you had Schwarber, you had Bryant, you had Rizzo, you had Zobris. You had the best players on this team 
coming up all in a row. Russell and then Montero eventually. <laughs> Excuse me. And then you have this situation where all of a sudden here comes the rain, right? After this explosive mm-hmm. eighth inning where they tie the game and get through the ninth inning, and here comes the rain. Rain delay, extra innings. Oh. I was worried. Oh. I thought that it was going to end. Like, we were going to call it. We were going to be playing baseball right now ben as Zobrist. we're recording this. Ben Zobrist. I want to get to that. But before I, before we do, because I heard something on the Cap Show about that that just fucking gave me goosebumps Please today. share. Um, before I get to that, though, the biggest— And we'll end it on this. The biggest thing in the in the 10th inning, M- Miguel Montero. I mean, yeah, after the Zobrist hit, we took the lead, but— Montero coming in, the only hit he had had all postseason was that grand slam. Comes in cold off the bench, boom, base hit, puts us up by two. Virtually, that could be seen as the winning run because we did it, give it one was, up. It was the winning run. We did give one up to Rajay Davis again. Geyer and Davis kind of hitting us one-two in the bottom of the 10th. But when I was listening to Cap and Company today, they were talking about the Zobrist hit. And I guess what was going on at that time, there was the rain delay while the players are in the weight room giving the rah-rah speech from uh, Jason Hayward. Um, Zobrist's wife, Juliana, was the baby started crying. She had to go under the grandstand to kind of feed the baby. And as she's doing that, the rain stopped. And they're like, come on, come on, Ben's going to be up. Ben's going to be up. I guess she took off her heels to race up the stairs, just hands the the kid to somebody that they were with, and she didn't even sit in her seat. She was standing there on the concourse, and Zobras fouls that one ball off where he was just staying alive. It went sideways, and he looks back into the stands and makes eye contact with her and just gives her a nod, and boom, base hit, takes the lead. Wins the MVP. Wins the MVP, wins us the World Series. I heard that, and I was like, Holy shit, those are the moments that you want. There are so many of those in the in this story to of the just, Chicago Cubs. To just look and make eye contact with your wife, give that head nod, and then boom. This team is immortal right now. The players on this team will be remembered forever. You wouldn't have seen this last year. Wouldn't have seen it last uh, no. year. Th- that's why I said, going back to this offseason, mm-hmm. all the pieces were in place for this well, year for it to happen. Before the offseason. Cub fans, last year, I know it hurt, last year needed to happen for this to happen. Because I look at this Indians team, I look at Kluber and Kluber, and then um, what was I can't remember. It was Bauer or Tomlin, whichever one got to us. I want to say it was Tomlin, Tomlin. who pitched the one nothing game against Hendricks. Yeah. That was the closest thing this postseason that we've seen to the – Fucking, fucking studs we saw with the Mets last year where we couldn't hit a single thing. But we got through it this year. You want to know why? Because A, we were a better team this year, but also we've seen it before. We've been through it before. And last year's team wouldn't have fought back down. It's a combination of of multiple things, and you make a good point. I mean, just the veteran leadership across the board. Mm -hmm. You have... The great at-bats put together across the board. The fact that they just don't stop until the final out is recorded. It doesn't hurt that some balls bounce the right way for us. And you know what? That like doesn't out, happen. Like the outfield miscue. That doesn't happen mm-hmm. to the Chicago Cubs. And it happened this year, Ricky. Yep. We can finally say, as Chicago Cubs fans, 
our team is world champions. And this is, the, this is just unprecedented. I wish I would have had money to go to the games because from what I hear from people that went is when you were in the stadium, no matter who was up, yeah, some people were cheering, but in those tense moments, everybody was tense because both these franchises, the Cubs and the Indians, it's Murphy's Law for us. Whatever could go wrong does go wrong for us. Unbelievable job by this 2016 Chicago Cubs team. You talk about the expectations of a club who has it all laid up on them from the start, and they came through over and over and over again, and they end up with a ring. John Lackey got his ring. John Lester got his ring. <laughs> all of these, oh my gosh, the, 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 this is just such a great story. The Chicago Cubs are world champions, Ricky. The Chicago Cubs are world champions. It, it hasn't sunk in. It has not sunk. I hope you all enjoyed this edition, this special edition, this World Series Championship edition (laughs) of Behind the Pen. Ricky Widmer, it was a pleasure. Mr. Cub fan. I had to be on for absolutely. this one. Absolutely. We had to do I mean, this. I, I, I could just talk to you guys for hours, <laughs> it's, I'm just, but it's so nice to experience it with someone who's as passionate about a team as, as you know the other guy. So. And the one thing I'm going to correct, John, you said John Luster, World Series champion. You forgot three-time World Series champion John Luster. No, I know. I know, but I'm mm-hmm. saying he. I was speaking in terms of free agents who signed with the Cubs who yeah. were coming here to win a championship for the Cubs. I'm sorry. Same with Ben Zobrist and Jay, AKA Jason Hayward. The curse pitcher, because he's done it with two fronts now. He's a legend. <laughs> he's a legend. Uh, it's established that Theo Epstein, bow down. Bow down to Theo, guys. And Theo, we trust. Thank you all for listening to this World Series edition of Chicago Cubs Talk. I'm behind the pen. We're going to probably talk about some more things and stuff next week. But for this week, we get to celebrate like it's 1908, except with technology and things that doesn't suck. Anyway, <laughs> uh, final thoughts. Uh, become a Patreon, patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. Entertain you more so than we already do. If you give us a couple bucks, it'd be awesome. Subscribe to a YouTube channel. You'll probably hear me talk about the Cubs even more so than I already do, right? You can listen to Sean Anderson talk about whatever he talks about. He talks about lots of stuff. Talk about Ricky Widmer and his stupid-ass Vikings who suck. And yeah, whatever. Everybody else here at MVP, we love you guys. Thank you for listening to Behind the Pen. We'll be back next week for more stuff and things. Till then, we will see you all next time. That my dude, Mike Reichen, right there. That my dude. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.